0: I appreciate Miss Gay jumping in and filling in tonight for Miss Tammy. And we're praying for all those that are under the weather tonight. I hope you'll be praying for them. I appreciate you being faithful. And there's so much that I am tempted to say right now, but I'm I'm not. I'm not going to take time to say it. But um, church, I think, I think the truth is we're just gonna have to all go on as far as sickness is concerned. And uh you say, well, I'm waiting until I get the vaccine. I don't think that's the fix-all either. Yeah, right. So I think I, I've come to the conclusion about the only fix-all, if you don't want to catch it, is just dig a hole and pull the hole in after you. I, um, and, boy, that's not a very happy way to live. And so I think, I think we're just going to have to go on and live, amen, and just trust the Lord to get us through this thing. And so I appreciate you being faithful tonight. I know we've got some sickness in the church But I appreciate you being faithful regardless and being here tonight. And I hope a lot of folk are watching the live stream. This is a good crowd, but I hope a lot of folk are watching the live stream because uh, a lot of folk need to hear the message that God's laid on my heart tonight. And so I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor, you know. I am a prophet, I guess, in the sense that I dispense truth, but not in the way that I foretell upcoming events and uh, I'm just, I'm a pastor, but I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I go home and sometimes I watch the service and I think, and I listen to the message and I think, man, where in the world did that come from? I'm not smart enough to come up with some of that stuff. That's the truth. That's the truth. I go home and I'm thinking, man, where did that come from? And, uh, and so, I want to give you something tonight. We are going to be um if political correctness is east, we're going to be about as far west as we can get tonight. And so um so I'm just letting you know ahead of time. Okay? So a few days ago, my wife and I were at the breakfast table and we were having a conversation, not a and not a it wasn't a bad conversation. Honestly, it was a conversation that a pastor and his wife have when your heart's just breaking over people and when it it just when it's and it seems like so many folks are just continuously struggling, just struggle, just a continuous struggle continuously struggling and we were just having that discussion and and uh, and my little wife I don't even think she even I don't even think she even meant to say it, but she said, you know, honey, she said, it's really not that hard. And when she said that, I thought, I'm going to preach a message on that. It's really not that hard. So, so to make it more palatable, I'm going to call it the biblical keys for living a good life, amen? <laughs> so we'll compromise a little bit tonight, All right. Uh, but if I had a secondary title, that'd be it. It's really not that hard. So I want you to look in First Peter chapter 3 in your Bibles, and we're going to read the first 11 verses when you find your place. If you'll stand, it's 7.57 according to my clock right here. I think we can get this done in 30 minutes. You'll be on your way home, and so don't worry about the time tonight. But uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1. And the Apostle Peter says, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, likewise, you wives... Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold, the husband that is, while the husband beholds your chaste conversation coupled with fear. In other words, uh, you're living with a, a fella that's lost and what the Bible is saying there is this, ladies, you don't have to preach to him. You don't have to preach to him. Just live that, that, chaste life in front of him while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear uh, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel that's not saying that you shouldn't look pretty Uh, women are are made to look pretty God made you pretty us fellas we don't have any hope of that God did not make us to be pretty and all those guys that are trying they are failing Man, I'm telling you, I got to get to preaching tonight. I'm telling you. Oh, I see so many rabbits running out of the bushes right now, and I'm so tempted to chase them, and I, and uh, it just don't work, folks. Those guys that try to be gals, it just does not work. It doesn't work. They look like a woman that is a man, because they are a man, and uh, John is not Jane. John's still John. And so, all right. What the Bible is saying there is this, in all seriousness, verse number three. Ladies, you ought to look pretty, but it's not your prettiness that's gonna win him. It's not the outside that's gonna win him. It's the inside. It's what's going on on the inside. That's what he's saying. Who's adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, God gives us an illustration. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise ye husbands, dwell with them, the wife, according to knowledge." giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Fellas, if you don't treat her like you're supposed to treat her, your your effectiveness in the prayer closet is going to be greatly hindered. That's what the Bible's teaching there. Verse 8, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that you're there unto call that you should inherit a blessing. I'm especially interested in verse number 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace. And ensue it. You may be seated tonight. I want to talk to you about biblical keys for living a good life. Biblical keys to living a good life. And so let's pray and we'll jump right into the Bible study tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together uh, tonight. And uh, Lord, I pray now as we bring this service to a close with a few moments of Bible teaching. Heavenly Father, I pray that, that uh, your word would hit its mark. I believe it will. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, it not only pierces going in, it pierces coming out. And Lord, it's, it's able to do that, which I cannot do. And, and so, Spirit of God, I pray that you will use your sword tonight to do surgery, to do heart surgery. Lord, to, uh, to lead us in a better way, to have a better life. Lord, would you just help folks to know that it is not your will that they continuously struggle, 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 struggle. Lord, it is your will that they live a victorious Christian life. Lord, we're not uh, in Christ. We're not just supposed to have life. We're to have life more abundant. Lord, that's what you told us. Lord, we're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Through Him, Father, you've given us victory, and so, Lord, I believe you've given us a little recipe. I believe you've given us your key ring right here in First Peter chapter three, and so I pray that this scripture will come alive in our hearts and our minds tonight, and I pray that you'll save the lost and encourage the saved. And most of all, Lord, I pray that, uh, that you'll glorify your son through all that's done. We love you. Hide us behind the cross. Lord, we need that tonight. That's for sure. And we thank you and praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. The epistle of 1 Peter is considered what's known as a general epistle. It was written to, not to Jews, but it was written to persecuted Gentiles, who came from a life of past sin, but had been born again. It's a great book. Uh, It is written to people who at one time were definitely not the children of God, but now through salvation are made the people of God. It's beautiful. Look at uh, chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, and look at verse number 9. And uh, the Spirit of God says, but, he said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at verse 10, which in time past were not a people. In other words, you were not the people of God. You were not the children of God, but are now the people of God, which had, not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Boy, aren't you glad tonight, Calvary, that there was a time in your life when you were not the people of God, but now because of his mercy, you are the people of God. I'm glad I'm a people of God tonight. Amen. I'm glad I'm a son of God and I'm glad that he's my heavenly father and I'm glad that nothing can ever change that. And so Peter is, uh, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he's talking to Gentiles. Well, that's what we are, by the way. We're, We're not Jewish people, we're Gentile people. And so Peter is describing to the people of God, that's what you are, that's what I am, he's describing to the people of God how to live a fulfilled life, even if the circumstances are far from perfect. And theirs were. These were Gentiles that were being persecuted for their faith in Christ, And so their life was not ideal, everything was not hunky-dory, They were not footloose and fancy free. These people were were being persecuted and yet Peter writes to them and says, hey, let me tell you how you can have a good life. I know that things are not great. I know that things are not perfect for you. I know that you're going through some hardships and some difficulties and I know that you're not Mr. Popularity right now because you're serving Jesus. But Peter says, let me give you some keys. Let me give you some things that will help you to have a life that is fulfilled. We notice In verse number nine, he speaks of inheriting a blessing. We notice in verse number 10, Peter talks about loving life. We notice in verse number 10, he speaks of seeing good days. And in verse number 14, he uses the word happy. And in verse 17, he uses the word better. Well, that's what I want for you tonight. And that's what I want for me tonight. I want you to live a life of blessing. And I want you to have a life that you can love. And I want you to see good days. And I want you to be happy. And I want you to be, I want you to have a better life. I want you to have a better marriage. I want you to have a better home. I want you to have a better job. I want you to be better. And here's the thing: if you're a child of God, you don't have to settle for mediocrity. Somebody says, Well, how you doing? Well, we're getting by. Are you satisfied with that? Man, I don't know about anybody else. I'm not satisfied with getting by. You know why? Because I know that I can achieve more than that. I know that, that through the power of Christ, I know, my dear friend, that I am able to live the good life. And so somebody says, Pastor, how do we do that? Well, I want to give you five keys tonight. Five keys. We can do it in 30 minutes. I want to give you five keys that will help you to live a happy life and a better life. How about this? Number Number one, everybody hold on tight, all right? Number one is the word submission. Submission. Now, in its context, in its context, the Bible is talking about wives. Wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. You say, preacher, you are treading on thin ice. I'm not treading on thin ice. I'm treading on solid ground. So submission, let's look at it in this context, though, tonight, all right? Look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, and Peter's talking to these Gentile Christians, and he says, likewise, let me tell you how you can achieve a better life. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, ladies, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit Which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. And so the Bible tells us here that if we're going to experience this better life, the Bible says that ladies, women, wives, if you will, wives are to be submitted to their husbands. Now, ladies, I'm going to say real quickly, that doesn't mean that you're of lower value. It doesn't mean that you're uh, any less intelligent. In fact, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I know some ladies that probably are are more intelligent than us fellows are. Um, And so it, it doesn't mean that you're of lower value. It doesn't mean that you have less intelligence. It's the idea of exhibiting a meek spirit Because that's the position that God has placed you in. Now, let me tell you why it's important that we teach that. And I'm going to be honest, I sort of second-guessed this. And God gave me this message last week, and I started to bring it Sunday, but I didn't think our Sunday folks could take it. So I thought I'd wait and give it to the backbone of the church, to the folks who can handle it. And that's you. And so, by the way, that's a compliment, by the way. You're the backbone of the church. Now, but let me tell you another reason it's important important that your pastor teach this tonight because everything in our culture is teaching against this. (laughs) Uh, We call it cancel culture, counterculture. Man, uh, we're definitely seeing that today. We are being taught that women not only can do but should do anything that men can do. You say, preacher, are you one of these chauvinist... uh, uh, I don't even know what you call it, but anyway, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that. I'm I'm a I'm a preacher. That's what I am. They're being uh, our our young ladies are being taught that ladies can serve on the battlefield. I don't know why a woman would want to serve on the battlefield. They're being taught that they can be weightlifters, they're being taught that they can be bull riders. Uh, women are portrayed as the knight in shining armor in 2021, and so and and you and by the way, I don't think I don't think I'm going to make one person mad tonight. But just in case, uh, when we get done, you'll have to admit I'm right on this. Amen. Yes, sir. The roles are being reversed, and so now the fellas. Uh, let me back up. The the ladies are the handsome prince. That saves the day. In fact, in most of the new animated films that are coming out, it's not the the prince that saves the day. It's the princess that saves the day. And so the princess saves the day and the men are the princesses that need deliverance. I mean, that's what's being portrayed to our young people now. And so we're being taught that women can do anything, should do anything. We were we, just, the other, just the other Sunday or so, my wife was finishing Sunday lunch, and, and I just flipped on football real quick, and, and they were at halftime when we got home. And, and, uh, and it had all these guys that used to serve as coaches, and these big old 350-pound guys that, are, that's, that used to play NFL, and they're serving as commentators. And then the camera went down, and there's, and there's a woman. There's a woman there. She's commentating. And I thought, man, now, all right, listen. If you want to commentate, commentate. That's up to you. That's between you and the Lord. I'm just saying that it didn't even look right. Here's this coach. Here's this big 350-pound, 380-pound linebacker, and then there's this lady with blonde hair, and uh, it just didn't look right. We kept on watching, and a little bit later, I'm watching the refs run down the field, and one of the refs has a ponytail. And I'm thinking, what was that? And there was a woman out on the field who was serving as a referee. Now, again, I just want you to understand something. That as far as Christian women are concerned, ladies, if we're gonna achieve a better life, the Bible calls us into submission. Submission. Now, let me teach you something tonight and something that may help you. Something that you need to understand and something that the, that the young ladies need to understand. You have something going against you and it's called the curse. Now, I want you to hold your place at 1 Peter chapter three. I want you to turn over to, and we'll, we're gonna pick up steam here in just a minute, but I want you to turn over to Genesis chapter three with me, if you will. Genesis chapter three. In your Bibles, and uh, this is the recording of when Adam and Eve have fallen into sin and uh, and God comes to them and finds out i mean he knows he already knows what they're what, what they 're doing and what they 've done and so basically at this point, a curse has been pronounced upon the earth, something the earth has never known, and God pronounces a curse upon the earth and he uh, he punishes Adam, he punishes Lucifer, but then he comes to the woman in Genesis chapter three and verse number 16. And let me just teach you a little something here Let me help you a little bit. Verse number 16, the Lord directs his attention to Eve. And, and he says this in verse 16, unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So, with the curse, ladies, with the curse came several negatives. Number one, a woman's cycle. Did you know that it was never in God's plan for a woman to bear children in sorrow? Someone says, and, and, and by the way, my wife and I've had three kids, and it's tough. It, for you ladies that have been through childbirth, that's not for the faint of heart. Most of us men would uh, pretty much bow down and, and worship, you know, the ground. That I mean, uh, most of us men would, it, it, any man that's got sense about him would say, I wouldn't want to go through that. It's tough. Did you know that, did you know a part of that is from the curse? That was never God's plan. Did you know that more than likely in the millennial reign of Christ, which they'll be having babies after babies after babies during the millennial reign of Christ, did you know the curse will be lifted? And more than likely, women won't suffer uh, pain in childbearing during the millennial reign of Christ. It It is a part of the curse, but there's something else. There's also a will to lead Look, look at it again. Genesis 3.16, under the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, look at this, and thy desire. Notice that word desire. You can circle that, underline it. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. That word desire is the Hebrew word S-U-Q-A, and it means craving. In other words, uh, Eve. When Eve was pronounced, when this curse was pronounced upon Eve, uh, part of that curse was this: she was cursed with a craving to rule her husband. But God said, "You're going to have a desire to rule him, but he's going to rule you." So it is a it's a part of the curse. Matthew Henry said it like this. Miss Beverly and I were just talking about Matthew Henry a while ago. And I love Matthew Henry commentary. And he said it like this. If man had not sinned, he would always have ruled with wisdom and love. If the woman had not sinned, she would always have obeyed with humility and meekness. Now, this is a very simple truth tonight. Maybe so simple that we'll miss it. But if we're going to live, ladies and gentlemen... Young people, if we're going to live a better life, we're going to have to learn what submission is. And the Bible says that women, that wives, that wives, are to be in submission to their husbands. What about the unmarried? What about those folks that aren't married? According to what I understand from the word of God, your submission ought to be offered wholeheartedly to the Lord. You can just jot this down, 1 Corinthians 7, 29 through 32, and in verse 32, the Lord said it like this, but I would have you without carefulness, he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. So if you are here tonight, you say, Pastor, I'm not married, Uh, what should I do? You should wholeheartedly submit your life to Christ. That's what the Bible's teaching there. Just as if you would submit to your husband, you're to submit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. How about young people? Young people, your submission should be offered to your parents. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth and so young people uh, you're still living at home you're still living under the, the roof of your mom and dad according to the word of God you are to practice submission and you're to submit to your parents you're to submit to your parents now, we're all, we're all, we're, we're just a bunch of whack jobs in America nowadays. Christ. Nobody knows what anybody's doing anymore. I mean, we're all doing our own thing. And I'm just telling you that young people, according to the word of God, and this isn't deep preaching tonight, but according to the word of God, you as a, a, as a child that's living in your mom and dad's home are to be submitted to your parents. Amen. So if you come to your mom and dad and you say, mom, dad, I'm moving out, I'm moving in with so-and-so. A guy, a girl says to her, mom and dad, I'm moving in with Johnny. Number one, you shouldn't move in with Johnny unless you have one of these on your finger. You say old-fashioned? I'm that old-fashioned right there. But number two, if a loving mom and dad come to you and say, honey, you should not do that, guess what you ought to do? You ought to submit to your parents. You say, but I won't. Doesn't matter what you want, doesn't matter what you think. If your parents are concerned about someone that you're dating, you should submit. If your parents come to you and they say, honey, we're just concerned. We we know you're getting older. We know it's not gonna be long. You're gonna be making your own decisions, but we are very concerned. Young people, you would be wise to take note. And I will promise you, and I've said this before, your mom and dad don't stay up all hours of the night trying to figure out a way to make your, your life miserable. But they've made some mistakes and they don't want you to have the same sorrow and the same, and the same heartache. And so young people, your submission should be offered to your parents. By the way, can I just say this real quickly too? I think this is important to say this. Young ladies, your submission is not to your boyfriend. If you're still living at home and you're still living at home, and, uh, and your boyfriend tells you something contrary to what daddy says, let me tell you who you're, to, who you're to be submitted to. You're to be submitted to your dad, to your parents. And so young people, your submission should be offered to your parents. How about this, church member, your submission should be offered to your pastor. This is a little awkward, but it's in the Bible, so I'm just going to give it to you. Hebrews 13, verse 7, the Bible says, Remember them which have the rule over you, have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And so, if the pastor says, Hey, you ought to be there, guess what you ought to do? You ought to submit. Now, if you're providentially hindered, if you've got COVID, if you've got the flu, stay home. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. But if you're not sick and your pastor stands up in a loving way and says, Man, don't miss, you ought to be here. Listen, on those times, on those nights you get home and you say, Boy, I just, I don't feel like going, but you know what? I'm going to submit. And I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna come to the house of the Lord. Now, again, this is simple, simple, simple stuff here tonight, but I'm just saying this, if we would get back to the Bible ways of doing things, we would have a whole lot better life. Number one submission, quickly, quickly. Number two is the word sacrifice. Now look back at 1 Peter chapter three. 1 Peter chapter three and verse number seven. You say, Pastor, I'm glad you let her have it. She needed it. Well, ladies, you can just... Breathe a sigh of relief right now. Fellas, you might want to buckle up just for a minute, all right? Boy, isn't the Bible Bible balanced? So 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through uh, 6, talk about submission to the husband. But 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, the Bible says, Likewise, ye husbands... Dwell with them according, dwell with them, the wives. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And so not only do we find here that wives are to submit, but we find that husbands are to sacrifice. Fellows, we are to dwell with our wives, what the Bible calls according to knowledge. It's the Greek word gnosis, and it means this. It means science. Science. What the Bible's teaching here is this that fellows, we are to make a science out of our wife. Now, the word science means study of. You're to make a study of your wife. You say, Pastor, why should I make a science out of my wife? I'll tell you why because she is complicated. She's complicated. Us fellas, man, I'm telling you what, (laughs) it's the truth. Man, we are pretty simple. And by the way, fellas, you don't have to bow your head. You can say amen right there because really that's a blessing. We are very simple. But wait a minute. God God made the female gender very complicated. But can I say this? He made the female gender complicated to complete us. And so we're to make a science out of our wife. What are you talking about, preacher? We're to to study on why she is the way she is. In what ways is, is she weaker? The Bible says she's the weaker vessel. You say, that's right. Do you know why she's the weaker vessel? Have you ever taken the time to study it out? Have you ever searched this book from cover to cover to find out why the Bible says that she is the weaker vessel? Have you ever took the time to study on why your wife acts like she acts? You say, I know why she acts like she acts. She's a looney tune. That's why I didn't. No, that's not true. In most circumstances, that's not true. And have you ever taken the time to study on why certain things bother her that don't bother you? There are some things that, man, they push my wife's button. They don't bother me. In fact, sometimes it bothers her that it don't bother me. Sometimes we're talking and she'll say, how can you be so calm? Why are you not upset? And the reason for that is because God did not make me near as emotional as God made her. Now, again, God made Miss Tammy emotional because God gave me someone to balance me out. He knew knew that I needed that emotion. I needed that compassion. I need that that, that extra emotion, and so that's why God gave her me. But again, I I just want to make a point here tonight, fellas, that we are to study our wives. We're to dwell with them according to knowledge, but the truth of the matter is most men don't give a rip about knowing their wives. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and this is pretty tough. It's a pretty tough statement, but it's true. Most men, okay, let me back up. I'll say it like this, many. Many men are nothing more than emotional homosexuals. You know what they want? They want a woman that's just like him. I want her body to be different, but I want her to think like me. I want her to talk like me. I want her to respond like me. I want her to be me. (laughs) And that's not how God made her. God made her extremely different. You say, Pastor, she's so different, though, that sometimes, man, we just, we have a time. That's why the Bible says, fellas, that we are to dwell with them according to knowledge. Listen, guys. Fellas are just like this sometimes. Fellas just, fellas are just fellas. And fellas say things to fellas. And by the way, sometimes we say things to one another that don't really bother us. So the guys said, Preacher, you need to go with this new microphone right here. It'll help. So I did. I submitted to our sound crew. And I went with this microphone. By the way, they were right. And it has helped. But then they said, preacher, you got to, to put this windscreen on that thing. And I said, I hate that thing. And Brother Allen said, get over it. That's what he told me. That's what he told his pastor. He said, you're just going to have to get over it. That's what, that's what he told me. And uh, now, again, he was, he, he was uh, joking a little bit, but that's how guys do. Get over it, man. And, uh, and by the way, we just go on and we don't worry about it. But, but you know what, fellas, you can't treat your wife like that. You can't treat her like you would treat a man. Now look look back at your Bibles. Look at 1 Peter chapter three and verse number seven. Man, I got three minutes to get the rest of this done here. 1 Peter chapter three and verse number seven. The Bible says, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving, look at the next word there, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. That word honor there means this. It means valuables. It means dignity, precious, rank, reverence, you know what the Bible's teaching us there, guys? We are to treat our wives like she is worth a million bucks. Amen. We're to treat her like she is a precious piece of China. Like she is valuable. I mean, we can't really, we, we, we can't really fathom how valuable she is. We're to give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. So keys to this. Blessed life, number one, submission. Number two, sacrifice quickly. I'll just keep you these and we'll go home. Number three is what I want to call solidarity. Look at First Peter chapter three, verse number eight. The Bible says, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion in one another, love his brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you're there called, call that you should inherit a blessing. You know what the Bible's saying there is this, that we ought to get along with others. Get along with others. Be pitiful, be courteous, love each other like brethren, like we're family. Don't return evil for evil, don't return railing for railing, but contrarywise, we're to get blessing. That's what the Bible's saying there. Now, just very simply, simply put, Calvary, this is what our Bible's teaching get along. You say, well, preacher, that person is a little irritable. Get along. And this is what most churches need to hear preached, by the way. Get over yourself. Get along. You say, well, Brother Mike, he'll walk by Sunday and he purposely, he purposely, preacher, did not shake my hand. Any advice? I do have some advice. Get over it. Get over it. Here recently, somebody came with a threat and said, what are you going to do about it? To me. You know what I told him i to do about it? I'm not going to do anything about it. Well, we ain't coming back until you do something about it. See ya. You know what I want to tell you? Get over yourself. Amen, brother. Just get along. Man, just just forgive, forget. Go forward, serve Jesus. You say, why should I? I'll tell you why, because our Bible says right there that you and I have been called therein Listen, you know why you ought to forgive the church member? Because you've been forgiven. You know why you ought to forgive your husband and forgive your wife tonight? Because you've been forgiven. You know why you ought to forgive your parents? Well, we got into it. You know why you ought to forgive your parents? Because you've been forgiven. That's what the Bible's teaching there. Uh, Listen, when we didn't deserve mercy, we didn't deserve compassion, and yet God gave us, God gave us that compassion. And so if we want to have Man, church, I know this is like the simplest preaching you ever heard in your life. And I'm telling you, you want to live the good life? Just get along. Well, you know, preach on over. Brother Rodney said something. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, Brother Rodney said something. Going to serve Jesus. Well, I I, I didn't like something Brother Brandon done with the choir practice last night. Any advice? Mm Sing in the choir Sunday. and smile, and have a good attitude, and get over it. When you say, why should I? Because God got over it for you, and you've been forgiven when you didn't deserve forgiveness. Hey, this is good. Number, number four, how about this? How to, how to live that blessed life. Number four, silence. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 10. He says, for he that will love life, That's what we're talking about. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. That word evil is the Greek word "kakos." It means worthless, injurious talk. Talk that brings injury. So if you're going around and you're, and I don't think anybody is, by the way, but if you're going around and you're bad-mouthing Brother Brandon because there's something you didn't, well, I didn't like the way he'd done this, and you call Sister Blabbermouth up and you call, you know, somebody else up and you say, oh, I'll tell you what, I didn't like that, I didn't like that, I didn't like that. Let me tell you, don't expect to live a better life. And just because you can say something doesn't mean you should say something. And so the Bible says there, there are times when, when we ought to be silent. Ephesians chapter four, verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how, to, how you ought to answer every man. And so these are keys to living a, a happy life, a better life. Number one, submission. Number two, sacrifice. Number three, solidarity. Number number four, silence. We're done. Almost got it done, 30 minutes. Number five is the word separation. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 11. The Bible says, let him, talking about this man that's going to live a better life, let him eschew evil. Now, we don't use that word a lot in our, in our vernacular today. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. The word eschew there means to deviate let him deviate from evil. And the word evil means depraved things or wicked things. In other words, there are some things that we ought to separate from. We're to deviate from wickedness. We ought to deviate from things that are not going to help the church. We ought to deviate from people that are not going to help the church. These people that just want to criticize and criticize. I mean, you know, we're having people saved, we're having folks baptized, I mean, folks are joining the church. I mean, the choir is growing. I mean, God's working, and yet you've got that crowd that's always wanting to, always wanting to criticize, always wanting to crucify somebody. You know what you ought to do? You ought to deviate away from those people. Deviate from evil, depraved wicked things. Somebody told me the other day, uh, in fact, that's Brother Michael, I think. We were at Thanksgiving. He told me about a new app called Waze. W-A-Z-E. If you don't have that app, you ought to get it. Man, that's a great little app. And he said, uh, he said, you had not tried that? I said, no, I've never heard of it. He said, it's it's a GPS app and you download it on your phone and it uh, you know, does like maps, you know, on iPhone, and it tells you where to go, and it tells you if there's a hazard above, you know, hazard in front of you, if something in, is in the road, or, uh, you know, or if there's a policeman coming up. You know, I don't need that. I try to drive by the speed limit. <laughs> but it is a neat app. And so last week when we were going to the college class, uh, I, I know there's been a lot of traffic up here in uh, Yadkinville, and so I uh, hit that Waze app. And the first time I ever tried it had the guys in the van with me, and we had the most fun out of that app. I don't know how I've got this guy, but he I mean, sounds like uh, General Patton or something. And he says, "Turn here. Go now." I mean, that's, that's how he talks. And, and I'm like, "Yeah, I like that. Amen. I mean, we were filling this testosterone in the van. I'm telling you, it was great. Take this exit, Fall out. Do it now." Like, "Yes, sir, I'm going." But you know what? Sure enough, sure enough, I was using that app. We were heading down I-77, and that voice came on, and it said, there's a hazard ahead. Eyes up. That's what it says, eyes up. There's a hazard ahead. Man. You know what? I've got a better app than Waze right here. And I can read this book right here and all of a sudden there is a voice of the Holy Ghost and he'll say, eyes up. There's a hazard ahead. You better steer clear. This is not going to be good. This is not the way to go. Hey, young people, you better get in the Bible. And if we'll just, listen, if we'll do this, if we'll just get back to the Bible, it's amazing how our life begins to go in a better direction. Right here's the keys. They're just simple, simple, simple. And I hope you'll get something from that tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, this might be one of the simplest messages I've ever brought. But I pray it has spoken to somebody's heart. Lord, if we don't get anything else out of tonight, would you just give us some folks at Calvary who would not settle for just getting by? Lord, I am not settling for a marriage that just gets by. Lord, I want the best marriage I can have. I'm not settling for an average family, an average home. I don't want an average relationship with my kids. I want to have the best of the best. I don't want to go to average church. Father, I want to go to a church that is the best of the best. Father, it's really not that hard. It's really not that hard. Lord, if we'll just get back to the Bible and just do it the Bible way, we can live a blessed life and a good life as Peter talked about there in 1 Peter chapter three. So Father, I pray that you're working hearts tonight. And Lord, as we get ready to leave this place and go to our homes, I pray that this will be our prayer. Father, help me to follow this app right here. Help me to follow the Word of God. Help me to apply it in my marriage. Help me to apply it in my child rearing. Help me to apply it in my home. God, help me to apply it in my testimony and the way I treat other people at work. God, and the way I treat my brothers and sisters in Christ at church. Father, help us to live the better life. I pray you'll have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I ask just a question real quickly? How many, first of all, how many here tonight would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I know for sure that I'd go to heaven when I die. If that's you tonight, you say, Pastor, I know that I am saved. Would you just slip your hand up tonight and say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. Is there one here tonight, and I promise you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and try to convince you to come down the aisle. But I wonder if there might be one here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I'm sure I want to go, but I'm not sure I would go. And I want you to pray for me. I really do. I want you to pray for me. And you'd slip your hand up right now and let me pray for you. Can I pray for you tonight? Is there one like that anywhere? Can I remember you in prayer? Would you do me a favor? Will I stand all over the house tonight? heads bowed eyes are closed I'm going to stand in front of the pulpit just for a moment and if there's someone here tonight you need prayer or there's a decision that you need to make we'll be here just for a moment we'd love to pray with you and then we're going to have a closing prayer We're going to head to the house all right and so if you need to come the altars are open we're here for you tonight